0: Hello everyone, I decided that today two episodes will be published and tomorrow another episode will be published, so let me make this easy for everyone to understand, including myself. My last organized crime episode about my life is this one, and then tonight, I would say by 6 o'clock, East Coast time, that... My last religion episode about my trauma regarding religion will be out. And then tomorrow, July 1st, will be the last sexual journey from the sexual anguish to the sexual jubilation that I'm now experiencing and forevermore. So let's end with, uh let's in the organized crime stories of my life. So as a child, I remember having the ability to enter and exit the hood as I pleased very significantly and very frequently. I had that ability because the hood residents gave me the that ability, meaning that I could, sometimes I'd take the taxi cab to the hood, most of the time it was bus and train, uh, depending upon the availability of the guys that wanted to play basketball with me. Sometimes I'll take the taxi cab because the hood dudes would be short on time. Like, that something else to do after the game. But most of the time, they had way more free time. So, after the game, they had nothing else to do. So, I would usually take the bus and train to go to the hood. And it would be any hood. Not just one hood. Not just one the hood. It was several the hoods. You know, several neighborhoods as the hood so I remember one experience caused DC neighborhoods to never openly disrespect me again so one time we were on the basketball court and we just won the game and I hit outside shots on this guy. Jump shots, if you will. And I did some ankle-breaking crossovers. I had the ball-handling skills of Isaiah Thomas, Allen Iverson, and Stephen Curry, and Kyrie Irving combined in one player. That was me. I was five years old at the time. And so I also made him look bad by, Blocking his shots, stealing, and out-rebounding him. Stealing means, in basketball, if if you're exhibiting poor ball handling, then I easily would take the ball from you. I wouldn't injure you. It was just, oh, you would drop the ball, or you would dribble in a way where it was easy for me to just take the ball with my hands, but I wouldn't hurt anybody. That's what stealing means in basketball. And because he was a tall guy, I would say over six feet, maybe six feet one at best, and I was a three feet five inch uh, five-year-old, suddenly he wants to start snapping on me because during the game he acted calm but after he lost meaning he didn't score any points but I was scoring a lot of points and he just suddenly said he just openly talked about killing me and he snapped and he said I got I got my gun nearby which he did. And. Last thing. His final words were. I understand why keep, y'all keep singing this nigga's praises. Tonio ain't shit for real for real. That's when. The Basque. That's when. The. Um, one guy from. My team that I was playing with pulled out his pistol. Looked like a handgun, I would say. It's a pistol. He didn't say a word. He just pulled out his gun calmly. And calmly unloaded all the bullets on that dude. And then re-upped. Meaning, that's gun terminology for he... Recharged the gun Put more bullets and unloaded the second Loads of bullets too His purpose was to overkill But he did it calmly He didn't smile He was emotionless in the face And that's just what happened And I remember The neighborhood saw it Um, The whole neighborhood saw it Um, Because it was under That guy knew that if you are trying to dishonor me in any kind of way, then it was understood that you might not ever get to live in the neighborhood again because you would end up deceased by unnatural causes. That was communicated in street lingo, of course. So what they did to the guy's body was they end up having his body float to the very bottom of the Potomac River because there was a saying at the time. Basically, it was and I can quote verbatim exact words. You can try Antonio if you want to. But your dead body will be floating at the very bottom of the Potomac River. So, civilians said that. Civilians, in this case, are people who have no criminal record, never committed a crime. But because they really liked me, they, along with the criminals, were into nobody fucks with Antonio. Nobody screws Antonio over. In any kind of way. So. The civilians saw it. And chose not to report it. Because. In their mind. You're trying to. You you were trying to. Remove Antonio. From Earth. We have nothing to say to law enforcement. And nobody. Told law enforcement. Anything. Because they all agreed, we will not go to the cops. Okay, we like what that guy did. He should have never double-crossed Antonio. That's his own motherfucking fault. Those are the exact words. And the the whole townspeople, I mean, the whole hood, I should say, they comforted me after that because they're like, "Oh, well, sorry, you had, we sorry you made to see that." And, Let me go feed you, let me me joke with you, let me make you smile, make you laugh. And I was laughing. That's that's what happened. I remember even, that was one incident, but I'm not making it minuscule because it's major. But what I can say is, usually when I was in these neighborhoods, basically the hood in different neighborhoods in D.C. I could go in, in, in and out of people's homes, they would feed me, I would watch their TV, and we would talk, we would joke, we would laugh, all age appropriate, and, you know, you know, sometimes civilians and even criminals would give me a ride home to my apartment because they knew that, okay, we you know Antonio can catch you know, we know how Antonio gets here by bus, train, taxi cab. So when I first, you know, so we're going, at least what we can do is make sure he you doesn't know, have to pay for a ride back. I'll get free rides back. After a while, they said, you're not catching a bus, train, and taxi cab to get here anymore. So they would sometimes, like, during my off days, when I wasn't in organized crime world, they would pick me up from around the corner of my mother's apartment, because I didn't want them outside of her apartment. But I would meet them at that corner across the street from the laundromat. And they would pick me up there. And I would be there as soon as they would pull up on me. they open the door, let me in. On the way to the hood, we would play music and, you know, talk, joke, and laugh. And compliment each other. That's what we would do. We would even chair dance in the uh, car seats, them in the driver's seat dancing, me in the passenger seat dancing. And of course, you would have people in the back. It would be mostly women. Maybe a guy every now and then, but it would usually be all women and the only guy would be me. So, I do remember... Um, also being that kind of neighborhood where most neighborhoods were um, they had um, so in the organized crime world There is a concept called hitter. Street for killer. They shoot to kill. Usually they walk up, sneak attack, drive by, or bike by. Regardless, someone's getting shot. And there are some hitters who will only hit for certain neighborhoods, certain crews... Some will go for all, some will go for most, meaning they'll hit, all means I'll hit for anybody. Most means most people, but not for everybody. Some means I'll hit for some people. Couple of people means I'll hit for a couple of people. A few means I'll hit for a few people. And then some will go, if you don't pay me, I ain't killing. And then some will go, man, I kill for free. I'll make money doing something else or I will kill for free and I will also kill for money. Some people who are hitters, I say monsters, they're hitters, they will kill more for free or they will kill more for money. And this is what I was exposed to. And a hitter is also a slang term for a professional killer or assassin. So I've seen professional hits exactly executed just like JFK's, RFK's, Malcolm X's, Martin Luther King Jr.'s, Tupac Shakur's, and The Notorious B.I.G. The Late Rapper. I've seen people get killed. In the exact same ways as they did. And speaking of Tupac and Biggie. I've seen... Hitters hire women as decoys. So, like Tupac and Biggie. We'll start with Tupac. So... This is what I've personally seen. They're driving the car. Women pull up beside them. Compliment them. Flirt with them. And the guy's toxic masculine ego kicks in and they're arranging to have sex with each other in the nearest private place that they can. While that's happening, another car will pull up on the toxic masculine dudes and open fire on the guys. And the women will act like they are distraught. They will pretend to be sad, but they're not. Because... They will suddenly behave when it comes to law enforcement as I don't know nothing. I don't see anything very evasive lying to law enforcement. Sometimes they wouldn't even talk to law enforcement. And law enforcement felt like I can't. There's nothing I could do. Or sometimes if they reported to law enforcement, they didn't tell all that they knew. Um, they would act like they didn't know the guys. Most of the time, they got away with it. Every now and then, they would all be prosecuted because you would have some brave witnesses saying what they saw and how they know that those people who were decoys and the other, the killers knew each other. And some witnesses got killed because of that. Some witnesses were beaten and robbed because of that. And most of the time, witnesses wouldn't say anything. And most of the brave witnesses lived because they had witness protection program of some sorts. Like new identity, new names, and they moved to different parts of the world. Some moved out of North America entirely. The rest were in North America, but but their whereabouts are unknown. Um, And no one heard a scene from them since because they chose to stay away from crime-ridden communities, exclamation point, period. So that's what I remember seeing and being told um, by organized crime figures. And then I remember, as for Biggie, I've seen... People get killed just like Biggie. For example, I've seen people, dudes, they talk to women as they get in their cars. They're arranging to meet women at another party. Or we're going to women's houses to have sex. Or we're going to go to a hotel or motel to have sex with women. So they may be on their way to a hotel or motel or party. Where they can, you know, maybe dance with the women or drink with the women or smoke weed with the women and party with the women and then find private rooms in the party venues to have sex with these women. Sometimes they brought birth control most of the time. The sex was unprotected. Um, And... um. On one particular day, they may decide, okay, we're going to meet up for sex. So the women are decoys. They were so used to women. They couldn't tell difference between women who are truly interested in them. And... women who were pretending to be interested in them, in them just to like um, l- they were just leering and luring them to their death. So their, you know, their friends would be on the way to the party because the light turn yellow but they pass the light and then the intended target's car just stops and the women pull up and flirt with the guys some more saying we're almost there we're almost gonna make it and they would start flirting with each other sexually talking to each other verbally and then the car of killers would open fire by rolling down the window, then they would drive off. So each murder, the killers would just drive off ap- after opening fire. and um it was just it makes me emotional because I'm just shocked that I saw such things. That's what's making me so quiet and taking pauses in this podcast episode. You can feel the pain. Um, these guys who are used to sleeping with women, their sole purpose in life was to hit, like, sleep with women. They didn't even know. So... They chose to be a hitter in that way. And it was also... They would wear their club shirts. They would call those hitters. So there's more than one definition of hitter. Um, and they also use hitter in this context. A, denota- a denotative term referring a hitter as a source of communication mainly a cellular telephone, telepage, or home telephone. A hitter refers to as hitting, see slang, acronym for hitting, someone up on their communication device more formally, meaning dialing a telephone number onto a communication medium, such as a cellular telephone and transferring the call to the second party. So they would call that hit, uh, hitter in terms of organized crime too. And um if social media was popular back then they would be hitters in this context. When anything you post photos, status, updates, etc. or any social networking site, Facebook, MySpace or et cetera, gets ten or more comments from five or more people, they would have been hitters in that way. And um, Hitter could also mean a word that can function by itself as a noun phrase. And that refers either to the participants in the discourse, example, I, you, or to someone or something mentioned elsewhere in the discourse, example, she, it, this. They would talk in that type of way, too, the organized crime figures. So Hitter meant that as well. My nickname, one of my street aliases, one of my street names was Knuckles for short. Actually, Bloody Knuckles too, because they called me both also because of my ability to knock out the most dangerous criminals. I remember knocking out pimps, Traffickers. I remember. Knocking out. Men brothel keepers. And. precursors and men panderers. Not all of them, but a handful because they tried to challenge me because they noticed that my respecting women meant that they weren't allowed to drug up women, be violent towards women, get women drunk, date rape women. So I was standing up to them because I saw them doing these things. So I called them out on in front of people and they got angry and uh I had them bloody pulped beat downs as a result. So that's what happened. And I was people at first some people thought I was crazy and they quickly thought, Wow, Antonio's a hero because I had a reputation for some people call it knocking niggas out and some people call it knocking motherfuckers out and um none of this is to be glorified None is this to be celebrated. Um, Sometimes in that world. There are plenty of people who are runners, someone who runs drugs. They can either smuggle large quantities for other people or run slash pedal slash sell small quantities themselves. Um, You also have people in the organized crime world who... Are people over the age of 21 who purchase alcohol for underage kids. You have run- some runners are women willing to bust down everybody. Could be everyone at the party. She do whatever. Not just some head. I'm talking about sexually. And in, in the streets, they call a runner being a, a, a woman who talks to many dudes at once and is very friendly with all of them. They call her a runner, too. And in the criminal world, you got these type of runners, the hardest bunch of people alive who run like beasts. So that world, I make sure that I've shared all of my memories. That world is... Also the type of world where... And let me just be all the way honest. better be to be judged by 12 than carried by 6 is real I've actually seen it Um, another old saying everyone is a whore for the right price I saw some of that Some drug dealers were addicted to the drugs they were selling. They were chasing dollars and chasing highs at the same time. So they were subtracting from themselves. Some drug deal- dealers live where they did business, and a lot and a lot of them did not. And sometimes you're paid back as a drug dealer sometimes you're not, and people who are addicted they tend not to pay back, so you may have to give drug- you know be handed drugs on credit you know loaning. Drug addicts' money, mm usually didn't work out well. Some people work with their families in the drug world, and some didn't. Trust issues too trusting or not trusting enough. And yes, in the drug world, you do have shooters, goons, and muscle. That means that those are drug dealers that Would I mean that's the type of illegal, informal, and moral bodyguard a drug dealers would hire to bodyguard them. Jump and it's true, Jums is short for jumbos. Jumbos is the name for roughly twenty dollars worth of crack. And don't have drugs on your person. And, um... That's why getting paid up front was normal in that drug world. And avoiding street fights was something they all tried to do usually didn't succeed i do remember When I was um, being forced to sell drugs in the drug world, they sometimes they are they have these rules on which women they could sleep with. Is like, you can sleep with whomever, just nobody in my family. Sometimes that rule was violated. Sometimes it wasn't. Or, okay, you can sleep with women, just not the ones in my hood. Sometimes it was violated. Sometimes it wasn't. Um... And they're always afraid of informants. When there's smoke, there's fire. People say that in the drug world all the time. A drug supplier or a plug, well est- has well esteemed a drug dealer, they may hand them drugs in a co- in a co- in a consignment type of arrangement. What that consists of is the plug will give. The Drug dealer, the requested product, they will only pay a pre- a predetermined fixed price after they sold it. This is also known as fronting work and is also requested by a dealer who is low on money but has the clientele or connections to turn a profit on it after they pay back what they owe the drug supplier. The plug. So, those are the last bits of information. I have to you about the world of organized crime.